0: Welcome everyone to episode 3 of Not All Men Improv. We are back again for another week of Chatting All Things Comedy. Joining me this week are the usual gang of suspects. On the line with me today are... Georgina. Victoria. And Lauren. Hello. So, Victoria, we are talking to you about your crazy improv journey today. So the thing that I kind of noted about you when I first saw you perform was your insane physicality on stage and how you managed to use your body language and your liquidity to really translate a character or to use that to play a scene. So I just wanted to ask you, is that something that you do deliberately or is that just... Part of how you instinctively perform and react to what's happening on stage?
1: I have no control over my body in reality. <laughs> I, um, <Yeah. laughs> I'm a bit like flubber. I just <laughs> decide I have to morph into a crazy shape. No, I just really enjoy the physicality and the characterization through movement. I think for a long time when I was growing up, I was quite uncoordinated and. I think I was just naturally very clumsy. But as I've, you know, grown up, I've kind of learned how my body works. And I now just use that to my advantage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for a long time, I was the kid that was always tripping over their own feet. And I suppose maybe that made me slightly larger than life. And I use that on stage, I think. <laughs> yeah. You learned to use your gift.
2: My gift. In one of our earliest Gulliver's shows, one of the things that Victoria's done that's impressed me the most is she literally scaled the wall (laughs) of Gulliver's. So at the end of the room where we perform, about three foot off the wall, there's like an inch of wood that sticks out and kind of runs all the way around like a frieze. And I can't remember if it was in the scene, it was like a, a floor is lava situation or what it was, but anyway, she just got up there and was hanging off the wall. Like a monkey, and we were all like, oh gosh, <laughs> "Don't <laughs> fall and break your head," um, because I don't think we're insured for this. It was just—it was so so impressive, and obviously, it really added to the scene. Oh, Victoria
3: is just crazy physical, um, <laughs> like just the speed and the different movements she can do. Sometimes we're not the most energetic during rehearsals, and just watching her perform gets us really geared up because it's just like kind of have to keep up with this tornado, really. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's, it's a Amazing. Really infectious energy.
3: Yeah. Got your special characters of your dinosaurs, particularly Velociraptors and Gollum. <laughs> and when you perform them we can just see them and that's amazing. I
1: mean I'm not saying yeah, just you know keep it coming, keep it it's coming. It's just
3: amazing, amazing physicality, amazing Velociraptor impressions and amazing golem slash Smeagol impressions. I think those are the two things you're best known for. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: thank you. Is that physicality, you were saying as a child you were a little bit kind of clumsy and always stepping on your own feet, was the combination of that but also doing a little bit of Amdram as a child, did those two kind of like fall together in like a, a super Victoria way that
1: made you think, I'm going to try both these things and, and take it forward to, to doing improv? Yeah, I think, I think to an extent it did play a role in terms of doing certain impressions of things i spent a lot of time as a child just trying to copy things so my Gollum impression for example <laughs> i spent far too many hours as a child watching lord of the rings it's like one of my it's favorite real. films and you know yeah. just anytime there was like a really distinctive character i spend hours trying to perfect it and i think when it comes to warming up for a show when we, we do the games and we do stretches and we do yeah just different warm-ups I get so excited I just I'm a little ball of adrenaline so then I just have to be super physical because my pre-show jitters come out as just being like yeah crazy you know (laughs) got to get the energy out because I don't want to be like standing on stage you know twitching in the corner so I have (laughs) to like try and get rid of some of it before we start. But it helps having a little bit of pent-up nervous energy at the right level. But um, in terms of doing Amdram as a child, yeah, we did lots of those warm-up games. And last episode, Lauren was talking about loving the kind of the the warm-up games that she did when she was doing A-level drama. And I mean, you had to do the plays and stuff, but it was worth it for the warm-ups. And I I think (laughs) I, I felt the same in a lot of ways. I really enjoyed doing... The little scenes because we, we did improv scenes when my, i did my drama group i didn't realize that's what they were okay just come up with a, a scene or come up with a play or whatever because it just started off being more of like a, a kids club drama and there was an associated adults drama group and we'd come together for pantos but then we'd have our own plays and i loved it it was just it was my favorite thing and i was like i want to be an actor when i grow up <sighs> and then i didn't but you know that i always i always had that dream but i loved doing anything that was kind of drama related. But then when I was getting older, so like 14, 15, the drama group stopped putting on plays and started putting on musicals because I think that's what people preferred to do. But then that meant a lot of the people that could, maybe, I'm not saying that I can act, but a lot, lots of us that preferred just the acting side and not necessarily the singing side were then put off a little bit. And so that was a shame because I, I just loved being in panto. I loved performing in plays and the rehearsals, but once it swapped over to musicals, I was I was out of my comfort zone. Saying that, I was cast as Danny in Grease, so. Wow! <laughs> oh! I'm that I'm more slightly traumatised <laughs> <laughs> by that. So have a love-hate relationship with Greece, the film, not the country.
0: <laughs> so when the thespian wagon rolled up, into Manchester at Victoria. How did you initially get involved with the group? Well
1: when it started as an improv group I was invited to join which was brilliant because I'd really missed performing improv. It had been a few years since finishing university so for clarification I finished university in 2012 and then went to Manchester to do my master's so I was still going back and forth to Bangor a couple of times over the next couple of years and I'd do a little bit of improv when I was there and see everybody that was still there but I was only doing it when I went to visit and you know sometimes they'd have a a reunion show so I went to a couple of those which was always good fun to catch up with the gang and then when everybody seemed to be attracted to Manchester and everyone moved back when thespionage started yeah I was just so excited to do improv again because I loved it so much at uni and it was really nice as well to do it in a, a smaller group with some of my really good friends everyone gave each other the opportunity to speak which I think was lacking at times due to the the nature of the the comedy group we we're in in Bangor, and there were so many people I mean mm, I think yeah. at its peak they're about 30 30 people showing up to a session so wow. sometimes it was quite difficult to get a word in edgeways you might only get a couple of games in a rehearsal slot and it was just so nice to be performing in a small group everyone kind of got the same number of turns so you could feel like you're improving there was a really good environment of giving feedback you know critiquing in both the positive and uh, you need to improve on this type fashion and it just made it really enjoyable and it was nice not to be surrounded by so many egos sometimes yeah. because there were. i'm not saying it's all men <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) Not all men. (laughs) But sometimes it's definitely not all men, by the way, uh, just so you know. because there were some very gregarious personalities who just needed to get their funny in. They didn't necessarily allow the women in the group to, like particularly if we were slightly more hesitant, they didn't really give us space to flourish and I I found that once thespionage started, I felt that I could really grow in my improv garden.
2: I think that's one of the things about a university society isn't it you have really high turnovers there's always new people starting and there's also a really mixed level of abilities as well with espionage, as well as us all knowing each other very well we're all at the same kind of level so we can all move and all grow together and and really do it as a as a group as a team sound incredibly cheesy but when you're kind of in a society and people you know want to get like picked to put the show or want to prove themselves it becomes a much more sort of individual, competitive, it's my turn to speak now, environment that I think is just a byproduct of there being so many people, so many mm-hmm. abilities, and, and so many personalities maybe clashing and not having the time to
1: meld. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm also not saying that um, that was necessarily a bad thing but like you say because there were so many personalities and so many different levels of ability i mean sometimes you'd get somebody that was brand new or somebody that was less confident and when they were given the stage and they were given the chance to shine it was brilliant and it was brilliant to see people develop over the course of a few months or a few sessions or several years so it was definitely a fantastic society and i'm so glad that i joined it because there's no way i would have done improv otherwise but um i like i just
0: love our group oh. so what have some of
1: your highlights been with espionage oh that's a tricky one where do i even start i've really enjoyed the fringe shows yeah They're brilliant mm-hmm. i think particularly the york fringe was the highlight of, of our fringe shows that we've performed in i mean Tragically, not going to Edinburgh this year as planned. Yeah. But there'll Mm. be other opportunities. Um, And also, York Fringe, that obviously wouldn't be going ahead anyway if it wasn't running. But the York Fringe isn't running anymore. And I think that's so tragic because it was such a fantastic atmosphere, so well organized. Mm. it was a great show that show and it just felt like there were so many people who just kind of were looking at what was happening on the day and so we got so many audience members who'd never necessarily seen improv before and it was very warm and welcoming it was a joy to be part of
2: I think that's testament to the strength of the festival you know we went there with no kind of audience there obviously we sort of have a bit of an audience base in Manchester but in York you know it was a totally new place for us to appear in the first year that we did it and we managed with just a few hours of flyering on the day to fill our lovely venue which was um a theatre space under a really great cinema and arts centre so mm. yeah it's a real shame that, that that festival's not running anymore yeah it was just wonderful <sighs>
1: But um, apart from that, I suppose Christmas shows are always so good And I know oh, the others Brady have said, said this Christmas before sh- <laughs> <laughs> You've just got such a great atmosphere yeah. You feel like yeah, Christmas right. has started once you've done the improv Christmas show To be
3: honest, it's just the, the mince pies that we get, isn't it? Oh
1: yeah, I mean, 80% mince pies That's me <laughs> most of the time I think by the end of the
3: show we're all, yeah, 80%
1: mince pies <laughs> Sorry, I just stole your punchline <laughs> <laughs>
3: dare you <laughs>
1: <laughs> but also gulliver's is such a great venue i know we only have a small audience in there say 35 to 40 people i think maximum but we have such a great crowd and we have our regulars but we always have new people as well so i think it's a really great atmosphere mm. and it's kind of special yeah
0: yeah What are some of your influences? Did you watch kind of anything growing up that you thought, I want to do that. That looks good. That looks
1: funny. I think I just found clips on YouTube, to be honest, and thought it was really funny. I wasn't, you know, when you're just flicking through things. Yes. I mean, I watched the typical things that any British teenager watches, I suppose, you know, got... QI. Whose line is it anyway? Have I got news for you? Vicar of Dibley. Classic British comedy. Classic British comedy. And also seeing Dawn French as a lead funny character was quite refreshing because I think a lot of other things had men as the lead characters. And even in QI and Have I got news for you, it's always been quite... I think they're they're definitely sorting out now, but you often wouldn't have women or you'd have a token female and you wouldn't have more than your token female because why would they? have more than the token female but it's a lot more balanced now and i think it's a really great way to showcase some of the fantastic not always british comedians who are women who deserve a platform to speak as we are in the 21st century ladies and gentlemen (laughs) and i suppose in terms of female stand-up i think the first female stand-up drawing huge audiences that i remember again this was on my many youtube wanderings when i probably should have been revising nina conti who has this um, oh, yes. Routine with Monk, the little puppet, and I loved that she was just being your average person and she had this filthy puppet on the end of her arm that came out with <laughs> stuff you wouldn't expect. It's like, it's a woman, she can be funny, she can be filthy. Well, the monkey could. Uh, maybe that's why it was acceptable. <laughs> <laughs> I loved the contrast between the kind of personality of her and the appendage monkey character. <laughs> Mm. she really inspired me because i've always had a kind of a i don't want to say a terrible sense of humor i've always found things that as a woman would maybe frowned upon i've always found things funny that are filthy and i'm not saying i have a potty mouth but i'm i'm definitely not the most um ladylike of performers if we want to use that as a phrase that's air quotes ladylike (laughs) Um, maybe sort
3: of a b-day mouth
1: yes more of a (laughs) b-day mouth Oh. No, full on potty mouth I think yeah. <laughs> Portaloo mouth Oh, no Oh, that's that's worse. That's... Uh, Yeah, that's worse. <laughs> <laughs> I was like well she can be successful and find filthy things funny and be a woman so why not what's stopping us from being just as gregarious as the male comic exactly
0: hmm. oh well thank you so much for chatting to us about your improv journey thank you so in the second half of this podcast we are going to be talking about the mystic thing that is long form mm. improv comedy so
2: i suppose like short form improv long form takes lots of different forms but the central idea is that in short form you're just creating kind of two to three minute scenes which are based on specific rules and we also call them games so that could be guessing it could be miming it could be making one line of pun jokes and then you'll have lots of those one after the other in order to build up a show whereas long form you get your one suggestion from the audience at the start and then you run with it and you create your full show based on that suggestion lots of groups can do musical versions there are forms that help you to build a story based on having lots of characters or based on jumping around in time but the the idea is yeah rather than having having lots of short games put together you have one central concept that you really dive into and, and fully develop
0: so i've seen i think one long form improvised musical which was by baby wants candy at the edinburgh yeah. fringe years oh, they were amazing yeah it was honestly i was sobbing with laughter it was just <laughs> unbelievably brilliant and funny and creative <laughs> they got a title from an audience member yeah and they just used that title to create an hour-long musical mm-hmm. and they would bring in characters and then and One before would kind of say something offhand and then the next scene would just be that entire phrase or that character explored. It was just so, so clever and and intricately woven and the theme that that ran through it was really clear and it just blew my mind completely. But as a group, have you tried any kind of long form exercises? Because I think as a group you mostly do short form scenes in your shows. You've done a sketch show, so did you use any long form scenes in that or was it mostly short form?
2: So for the sketch show they all came from kind of written scripts really, we didn't Thank mm-hmm. you really do a lot of improv to develop it I think since we've been thespianage since 2016 we've not really tried any long form because I think there's a consensus amongst us that we all sort of really prefer to do the, the short form stuff and there are other groups in Manchester who focus on long form and, and do that really well so I think we, we sort of feel like it's kind of a, a niche that we have whereas when we were all in in comedy or in IMPSOC there was a bit more of experimentation and some of us did have a go at doing long form and that's where I've given it a go.
1: My experiences were similar to I tried doing long form during some of the sessions in Bangor, but I only did a few, I think, again, because of like some of the larger than life personalities, I found it difficult to progress in long form in that group just because it was quite difficult to be a louder (laughs) voice because of the the personalities that were involved. So I kind of automatically dismissed it. But like you were saying, I've seen showstoppers a couple of times. I saw them in Edinburgh and I saw them in Manchester and they always come out with something fantastic. Like G was saying, there's a group, called ImproQuo that also performs in Manchester in the same performance space that we use in Gulliver's and they do long form really well. And so I think it's really nice that we've found our niche in short form, but I definitely love to give long form another go. It's just very daunting the idea of getting a suggestion and just running with it for half an hour, an hour plus.
2: Yeah, I think that's the thing that scares me as well. It's it's tends to be a much kind of looser more open format and you have to be very conscious of kind of everyone who's involved contributing and kind of what their role can be and you build it as you go along. You have to have that in mind. You have to have the direction, how well you incorporate the suggestion. There's so much to juggle and I think when you're doing short form, the format is much more set and it's much easier to stay on top of all of that because that's how the game is built, that way to allow you to do that. Yeah, exactly.
0: Lauren, you've performed long form comedy before. I think you were saying our last episode.
3: That's right, yeah. When I was back home, I was with my parents, I was briefly involved in a group based in London and I'd give you the But believe it or not, they had a policy of changing their names every so often. (sighs) Fortunately, I can't, I've lost touch with the name they're actually going under now, but they were a really nice, lovely little group that performed, that sort of rehearsed together up near Brick Lane. And so they, we'd do the warm ups, but then we'd also do long form. And I had that experience, like Jean Victoria was saying, of finding it quite daunting and a bit nerve-wracking to start with. But the things that I found that really helped were we had some musical accompaniments. We had a piano player who could improvise, and she was amazing, and so that gave us that backing to sort of the scene we were performing. The other thing that really helped was there was a lot of stress on it being very, very fluid, so you didn't even have to be a person or an animal if you wanted to just be an abstract representation of something for a scene that was fine and then it of move on to the next scene so it was completely wide open and it was a lot of fun so i'd love to give long form a go with, with espionage, but i think short form is always going to be first love
0: do you think as a group you'd you'd be willing to, to try
1: it even if it was just in a, a rehearsal or a workshop space just to see what what happened i think in a rehearsal it'd be really good and i think it'd be really good for exploring different dynamics between characters and I think as well you could really develop your characterization and I suppose accents (laughs) and that side of things. (laughs) I'd love to give it a go in rehearsal.
2: I don't know if it's just me but I think there's a kind of preconception about improv that you start off doing your short form, you join a group whether it's a university or or, (laughs) as an adult and you do short form and then you sort of graduate to doing long form. I feel like there is sort of this idea that it's an evolution and certainly if you go to the Edinburgh Fringe you will generally find that the people performing short form are university comedy groups and the people doing long form are your big names like show and baby ones candy and, and people like that and the noise next door as well who are another brilliant group so I think that that those are kind of the big headline shows that the people who do the do the long form and especially you do the improvised musicals so I'm really keen to do it as well but I'm also keen I think for us to really focus on the short form as kind of our USP and certainly in the in the style that we do it
1: yeah completely agree with you there it does seem unusual to be a, a group that's been going for a while and still doing short form but there's nothing wrong with doing something and doing it well yeah (laughs)
2: <laughs> it's good enough for the Who's Line Is It Anyway people,
1: so. Yeah. Exactly. That's, That's what I was thinking too. I love Who's Line Is It Anyway. And they still, well, <laughs> were until this strange parallel universe we're currently in. They, they were still out on tour every so often, weren't they? Oh, I'd love to see them live. Did you see them live, G?
2: Yeah, we. Uh, I think I mentioned this in the, in the first episode when I last went to Edinburgh, we went to see the Who's Line Is It Anyway live show. It was in this insanely massive theatre. I think it was one of the assembly venues and they were like a centimetre high where we were sat and one of the people i was with it was actually paddy the the host of the espionage was ecstatic because clive anderson actually took one of his suggestions he heard him shouting from all the way at the back and he took one of his suggestions he was over the moon (laughs) that's
0: amazing clive anderson heard my voice (laughs) etc oh laura when you were performing long form did you find that the audience was still engaged in what was happening on stage because usually with with short form audience suggestions are kind of constantly needed to move the scene along or to to introduce a new scene or a new concept so when you performed it were the audience still quite engaged with what was happening? Um, I'm
3: going to be honest it was just a jam group at that time so we weren't actually performing anything but I can tell you the performers were very into it (laughs) (laughs) and
1: that's the main thing (laughs) yeah that's all that matters
3: we had a lot of fun
1: had a was, jolly good time
3: <laughs> the audience was just whoever wasn't on stage at that time and they seem to be you know no one got their phones out no one you know (laughs) was sort of going off for 20 minute long wee breaks so I think you know it all went down pretty well.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I think amongst the groups that do long form there are different ways that they address that and kind of guarantee the continued audience engagement so um while I think Baby Gods Candy will take like you said the suggestion at the start and then run with it for the duration showstoppers they have the script writer figure who regularly pauses the action and gets more suggestions from the audience of song styles or things to change and so they get around it that way
1: I quite like that side of things it definitely is breaking the fourth wall but I love it
2: I always feel when I watch Showstoppers when I see that happen I'm like that would be so great for the performers because it buys them like a minute or two of, of thinking time you yeah. know while they're frozen and while the host kind of takes the focus away
1: yeah I, yeah I I really like that it's just kind of that little engagement with the audience because I think that's one of the joys of improv you really can respond to the audience I mean you can respond anyway if the audience isn't laughing change it up but being able <laughs> (laughs) to get a few more suggestions it makes you feel like you're really part of the show I think that's why I love short form as well because I love that audience engagement I think it's quite powerful
2: and sometimes you know especially if you've got audiences who who are new to improv it can be a bit of a slow burner some people are a bit shy at the start coming up with suggestions and some people you can tell come into the room especially again for the big improvised musicals with their show title in their heads and shout out the most ridiculous things they could never have come up with on the spot whereas if you have kind of suggestions peppered throughout the show it gives everybody a chance to kind of have a think and have a go at shouting something out
1: When they know we're not going to hurt them. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)
0: Yeah. So that's the end of episode three. Thank you so much for joining us. We will see you next time with a very special guest joining us. Bye. Bye. Bye.